Hey everybody, welcome to Music Therapy. I'm Jessica Risker. Getting into film scoring is something a lot of musicians would like to do, but it can be really hard to figure out how to get there. Quinn Son is a Chicago musician who composes music for films, but she actually started out working in management for a large corporation. She has a really fascinating story on how she got into film scoring, and I think there's a lot of great takeaways from her story for anybody who is also interested in getting into film scoring. Quinn also makes her own music, but she struggles with the ego or, or vanity that's required to promote your own music. All that and more coming up on today's Music Therapy. Hey everybody, welcome to Music Therapy. I'm Jessica Risker. I'm a musician based here in Chicago, Illinois, and I'm also a licensed clinical professional counselor. Music Therapy is a mental health podcast for fans of music. And I'm so happy to be back. Uh, this is our first episode of 2022. Thank you for uh, waiting. I took a longer break than I thought. The past couple months were kind of tough, as I know they were for a lot of people. But I'm waking up from hibernation and really excited to get going with the show this year. Um, we've been working hard behind the scenes. Um, we've got a new podcast icon. We have a brand new website with these amazing illustrations done by Chicago artist Frank Riquet. It's a whole new look for the show. It's much more in line with what I visioned for the show. And it's really fun to feel like we're growing. And I want to thank you guys for listening and staying with us. Um, we also have our first group session of the year on Wednesday, March 9th with Chicago band Desert Liminal. I love Desert Liminal. Their new album is amazing. They have these really great show visuals when they perform live. And at our group session next Wednesday on the 9th, we're going to do an in-depth interview with the full band. They'll give a live performance. We'll have some comedy with Dr. Leslie Tanner. And uh, it's going to be at Cafe Mustache. Doors are at 8. $10 suggested donation. Come on out. Say hi. This is the beginning of um, some really great monthly group sessions for this year, and I would love to see you guys and say hi. Visit musictherapypodcast.com for more details about the show, to learn about other events, and listen to past episodes. So today I'm talking with Quinn Son. She's a songwriter, composer, and producer. She pursued music through her early 20s, but she took a long pause in 2016 to work in local government and started a nonprofit to help voters participate more easily in local policy. Uh, she started touring with Manual Cinema as a musician and sound designer in 2017. And around the same time, she started scoring films. She kept landing film jobs, which we're going to talk about in much more detail. And uh, during the pandemic, she also started an LP. We have a lot to talk about. So let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Quinn Son. There you are. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. This is uh, unique. <laughs> my pleasure. <laughs> uh, how are you? I'm okay. Um, it's been a long day. It's been a long week. There's something I'm working on that I won't super talk about, but I'll talk about a little bit when we, when it becomes relevant, but, um, I'm good. Probably be up for like another four hours. How are you doing? 
I'm good. I'm good. Uh, well, let me start off. You you talked about having a long day and a long week, and I always start the same with the same question, which is, will you describe a typical week for us? Ooh, sure. Yes. Uh, I guess it depends on the week, but for the last month, my typical weeks are waking up. Um, I listen to the same music every morning, which is like an ambient um, compilation of songs. Like Adrian Lanker is on there, Gia Margaret, um, a couple others. I try and take like an hour to not talk to anybody and write a little bit. <laughs> and what then music I'll or journal? I'll, I'll journal and uh-huh. then I'll play piano, um, play guitar. Piano is new. I just started playing the piano in the summer. Um, and then the last month I've been on phone calls pretty nonstop throughout the day, um, looking at spreadsheets and doing a lot of, uh, budgets and those kinds of things and sending what emails. Is, what is that for? That's really the thing. I can't talk about it, but you might hear about it in like a week. Um, I'm producing, I do some producing, uh, for film and for events, um, for music videos. I just finished a music video for a dear friend, Angela James. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, a producing gig came my way and it has, it has swept up most of my life for the last almost month. It's wow. really fun. Time. <laughs> you like, so I'm really curious about it, but it sounds like we'll have to keep our eyes out and yeah. figure yeah, out what I'll it get is. It. It'll be at the end of the year. The event will be a celebratory end of the year event. So. Okay. Okay. Intriguing. So, yeah. uh, so it sounds like you're liking Liking, it sounds like you're doing a lot of the administrative work for that event. And uh, are you liking that side of working with event production? Um, I do. It's less admin. I'm mostly looking at stuff and like kind of helping to navigate how to make that project work. Okay. Doing conversations with um, the venue and with the artists and other things. Um, trying to like be emotionally supportive and also problem solve and things like that. Um, so it's like adjacent to performing, um, mm-hmm. but it is like producery stuff that I'll do here and there if it seems like it's going to be fun. And this one will be fun in like a week. <laughs> okay. So is this your job? Do you work in other capacities or is this, what do you have? A, yeah. yeah. Tell us about that. Um, I've been trying to babysit lately when I can. I watched a, I watched an eight-year-old early in the pandemic. Um, I like joined a small bubble with um, Maddie and her family uh, and did homeschool tutoring. And Uh she and I like very deeply fell in love. And so they try to find ways for me to be with them as much as I can, giving music lessons and just hanging out. Um, So I try and do that. And then I've been doing grant writing uh, for folks for different, like for film and for music. Um, what else? I do a lot of carpentry work. Uh, my sister is a professional carpenter and uh-huh. loops me in to hand her hammers and, you know, drill things together for theater sets mostly. So yeah, that's kind of little income things here and there. And then, um, scoring the film scoring stuff is, is a lot of work. And I just finished one. Yeah. That's, I mean, I'm, that's interesting to hear about all these different, it sounds like you have a real patchwork of uh, jobs that you do. (laughs) It also sounds like you're, you know, kind of um, connected with people who know to go to you for jobs like those. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, 
especially in the in Chicago, the community. I've been here for 13 years, and I feel like many of us, at least most people that I know, are hustlers. Um, some have like settled into like one thing, especially music friends who are touring all the time, or who are you know per, who are on like record deals where they ha- have to produce a record by a certain time with an advance, and like that's what they get to focus on. Yeah. Um, but because it mostly because of the score work that's popped up for me, I've had to kind of patch together things, um, and just try and do as many as I can. And some like the carpentry stuff I love to do, but I'm such an amateur and my like sister, God bless her, you know, mm-hmm. brings me along and, <laughs> and lets me, uh, you know, do... yeah. So how are the films that you're involved with? Are those out of Chicago or are those coming from other places too? Those are all in Chicago. It's like the same little family of filmmakers. So uh-huh. uh, Alex Thompson, Kelly O'Sullivan, and Nate Hurtsellers, who's actually based in Los Angeles. Um, we are a little creative team and they usually, they always come to me with a project. Um, uh-huh usually a long time before it's actually going into production. So I'll know, like, the next film that I'm doing has been, um, you know, I got the script for it, I think, a year ago, but I knew about it a year before that. Uh-huh. Whereas the last film that I just finished, I think I knew about it six months before. Like, it, it's super different. Um, yeah, but it's it's mostly in Chicago. This next one that I'm doing, which I can't really talk about either, but it's not going to be in Chicago. It'll be in the United States elsewhere. This group that you work with, how did you connect with them? Um, just like another amateur freak moment. <laughs> I feel like uh-huh. a lot of <laughs> a lot of this stuff that I'm doing now is just like all these really little beautiful accidents and the movie stuff I was doing little shows at like first floor theater in 2013 like a year or two after I started playing music and I met this guy Alex Thompson who was doing something for that theater company and then I ran into him when the Soho House started we were both invited to be founding members of the Soho House uh-huh. um, I ran into him there and then we did a little music video project together and he'd been ramping up to direct his first film And we stayed friends. He eventually moved into my building. Um, So we, you know, we were very much in community with each other. And when he got funding to do his first feature, he asked me to do the music. And I sort of laughed and was like, you know, I'm not the, I barely play the guitar. And like I sang, I write these little folk songs. Uh I wanted to pass him off to some of my peers who like Macy Stewart, who's, who actually did the last film with me, who's just like a genius and has been training for classically for years. Uh-huh. And he was like, no, 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 I want you to do it. I think he just didn't know any other musicians and wanted like a safe space personally because it was his first gamble. Yeah. Um, so I did that. That film never came out. And I wonder, I'm, now that I'm talking about it, I'm like, I wonder it's because the music was so... <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and so that movie happened, and then the movie after that is called St. Francis, um, which was, like, surprisingly explosive when it came out. Uh Yeah, it's really sweet. If you haven't seen it, it's Chicago. It's all Chicago people. It's a really lovely, um, coming-of-age story, even though I I hate that line for movies. (laughs) Um, 
but that's what it is. There's a lot of period blood. Um, it's about abortion and like normalizing abortion. So, you know, depending on your politics, I would say totally watch it. I'm making a lot of assumptions right now, but no, no, you're, (laughs) yeah. I, you know, I was listening to the soundtrack. I've been trying to, uh, I've been really lost in my head lately. So I've been trying to take these, um, quote sensory walks where I'm like I'm just gonna try to go for a walk and pay attention to what I smell and what I hear yeah and you know try to get out of my head a little bit and I was listening to the soundtrack that you did and it was during that and I found it um it was really complimentary to what I was doing it really I mean it sounds very cinematic it really made me experience just the city and the way it looked in a different way. It was really calming, um, really beautiful. I, I really love the music that you made for it. Thank you. I, I have to add this part about the scoring stuff because I feel like I don't get a lot of, I don't talk about them very much in this kind of space uh-huh. with some strangers watching. Um, I cannot take credit for any of the scores that I've done entirely. They have all the St. Francis score in particular, I worked really closely with Alex Babbitt, um, who's a really talented musician from Chicago. He's actually in Los Angeles now. Um, but I was touring with him with Manual Cinema. He played guitar and I played guitar. We both sang together. And we did a, a pretty long couple of stretches where the only opportunity to, to like play music or just play for myself is on stage during tech, you know, where we were sitting Uh for hours and hours Uh so before St. Francis even started filming I had literally been playing this like two chord uh literally f and c (laughs) just like strumming back and forth and one day he was you know we were all the musicians the three of us were were sitting around and he started sort of improvising on top of what I was playing and then I wrote some words and as soon as the song was was done Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is the theme song for St. Francis. And I think it went into filming uh, three or four months later. And so that I, I was like, Vlad, his nickname's like, do you, you should just do this with me. Let's do it together. And so we, we wrote, um, I wrote all the songs, like the lyrics and the chord progressions and things. And he would come in and we'd sort, sort of together arrange um, skeletons of music, you know, oh. obviously a lot of like rock songs and, um, folk songs and we invited some of our friends to come over to Fox Hall it's um, Seema Cunningham and Dorian Gehring's studio in Logan Square uh-huh. Dorian does all the scores with me he's always the engineer producer and yeah there was like a song where I was like that my voice sounds horrible singing this like Seema do you want to come downstairs and you know just do some la la la's real quick and there was another song that they have wanted to license, they thought they were going to license a Rolling Stone song for the opening credits, which uh-huh. I don't know why I thought that was actually possible. Um, but I was like, sure. So we don't have to worry about that. And then, um, you know, two days into, we had four days to record St. Francis. And Alex, the director, loves to tell this story. You know, he told this story at like in front of a lot of people, but, and I'll say it again, but He's like, yeah, so, you know, Quinn wrote the music and we filmed and um, it was really low budget. So, you know, she came to me and said, all right, the music is written. Here's like a small sample. We're going into the studio four days and you're going to like get what you get and there will be no revisions and you have no money to make us do extra. So like, (laughs) that's going to be what you get. Uh Um, And that's exactly what happened. And, you know, 
the the Rolling Stone song obviously didn't get licensed. So the second day he called me and was like, we need a piece of music for the opening titles, which is arguably like one of the most important right. moments musically of the movie, the opening, you know, sort of the middle peak and then the closing. Uh-huh. So we wrote this song called Moonrise and I sounded terrible singing it. And so we called um, Izzy of Half Gringa, uh-huh. like, can you come over and just sing this really quick? And she came over and did it and like, it's like a very Chicago love project. So like to, to say, to hear you say like, I was walking around, like felt really at home and like noticing this thing is like, I'm very glad because, you know, it is a very Chicago soundtrack and I'm, yeah. I'm for, for, for making it. Yeah. So one of the themes that, you know, we we're going to talk about, or we are talking about is just pursuing a music career and um, you know, I, I think that people who listen to the podcast, some listeners might be people who are either on the path of a music career or thinking about it or wanting inspiration from other people who have pursued it. And mm-hmm. so, you know, one out, one element of that that I'm interested in is you getting asked to do your first film score and feeling like I'm not really, I haven't done this before. I don't know that I can, I'm qualified or that I can do this. But you took it on. How did you do that? I mean, that could feel potentially very overwhelming. How did you yeah. how did you get yourself was it hard to go for it and how did that feel? Um, it was pretty horrible, honestly. I mean, I feel like the imposter syndrome thing, you know, mm-hmm. it's really easy to to disconnect yourself from everyone's like, no, but I'm really an imposter. Uh-huh. But especially then, I mean, I started playing, I picked up a guitar when I was like 22. Uh Oh, and I think I was 23 or 24 when he asked me to do this score. Um, So I was like, okay, he's going to keep, he's like, I'll pay you like $300 if it was even that, you know, whatever, you're 23. I had just left like my only corporate job that I worked. So I was like, yeah, I'll take anything. Um. But yeah, I mean, I guess it was like a, what, is, what do I have to lose? You know, this is my friend. I, I trust him. I, I have told him every way that you can tell a person that like, I'm not qualified for this. This is yes. your, so like <laughs> it's something that you don't like, it's actually, I'm going to give you the best that I can. Do. And um, I actually did that one with Teddy Rankin Parker, um, an incredible cellist and Jim Becker. Um, who's just like, he plays absolutely everything. And we went into Jim's apartment and it was literally me like plinking on a piano being like, Teddy, like, can you play this? <laughs> and yeah. we would record that. And I was like, okay, can you play that? And be like, okay, we have those two things. And then I'd be like, Teddy, now listen to them, listen to it and do you, you know, just play around. So that's when I say that like a lot of the not this last one. This last one was a very different process and so will the next. But the first two that I did were so experimental um, that I cannot take credit for them and I I wouldn't take exclusive credit for them. Um, So I kind of knew that going in also was not only did I make it very clear that I am not, that I am the most imposter imposter in music that there is, but also that I had support from people that I really respect and they might think less of me after, but at least (laughs) we'll have made something, you know? I mean, I think any, you know, just taking albums, no album, very few albums are made in isolation. You know, there's usually 
some kind of either, even if it's just feedback from a friend, you know, I know some people do it all on their own, but usually people are playing with other musicians or getting other ideas. Maybe you wrote this song, but other people are doing the drum parts. Just feels like that's part of kind of part of the deal. How did you feel after, you know, you had kind of submitted it to him and you're like, wow, he asked me to do it. And I gave him this finished product. How did, how did that feel to you? I mean, the first one, which I also want to say that it has just come back into the world as in we're weird. I have suggested that we redo the music for that film that hadn't been released because I feel capable now of uh-huh. doing more proud of making it a short film. Um, anyway, it felt really gratifying to like, it was, I mean, it's probably shit. I haven't listened to it, you know, in like six years. So, you know, I'll open up that hard drive especially because of this conversation reasonably soon. Oh man, I would love to hear your reaction to it. <laughs> but um, it did feel good. I remember listening to it after we did it being like, holy shit, like how, how did that just happen? And, you know, at the time I was, um, yeah, you have these little moments, right? Musically, the, at least my experience is that because I came into music when I did, you know, in my early 20s, there I've, I'm always like looking for affirmation I think everybody is like you know waiting for these little moments of like okay yes this is this is what I'm doing and I am at least in this moment making the right choice and should probably continue to make this choice for a little while longer I don't know I'm in my 30s now so like what am I doing but um at that moment I was like okay you know the next time that you do this you're going to be better armed and it feels really feels really good um, and I think I'm being hard on myself. I think that that the, there's some there's some beautiful moments in that music. I I hope I'll I'll get back. Yeah, I actually yeah we'll we'll talk about that later. <laughs> I think it'd be really fascinating to hear what your impressions are. Because yeah, you you probably will be like, oh okay, you know, there's some good stuff. I feel like most people feel that. We'll see, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, but I, that sounds. I mean, I think that that is important. Kind of trusting the process and trusting your trusting growth that you will grow and that you will get better the more you do it with the scores with the scores definitely Uh I I don't play the piano at all Mm -hmm. um and you know a few friends have been like you're a liar because I've been only playing piano for the last couple months and so I am learning quickly Uh because that's any any spare moment that I have I'm playing the piano um, but it's pretty embarrassing. It's been very embarrassing. This last score that we did, you know, a musician friend who's on social media, I hope he's not here, um, but he was learning the the part and he turned to me and said, is that a diminished fourth? And I was like, <laughs> I don't fucking know, like Macy. And she was like, yes, yes, it is. It's like, great. <sighs> you know, don't, thank God for Macy, the, you know. And you've talked to Macy and everybody knows Macy. She's the person that you want to have by your side if you're doing something um, like this. And so with that said, like, yes, do I feel um, more competent in the scoring world? Um, I would like to feel more than I do now, but I certainly feel better than I did. Just at the beginning of St. Francis, I was just like, this movie's good. Like the script is really good. Kelly wrote it. It's not just Alex. Like I have two people to 
report to. And if even one of them doesn't like it, like that's not good. Um, so even since then, yeah, I do feel like, you know, I feel more capable for the next movie and the next movie has, they keep having higher stakes. Yeah. Well, um, you're all growing together too, right? Yeah. And it's a good thing. Like, yeah. the, you know, I, am I complaining? It kind of sounds like it, but the, the pressure is getting higher and higher. And so that's part of why I got a piano this year. It's like, you know, if, if God forbid Macy is like fucking playing soldier field, which is so possible, mm -hmm. uh, that I'll have to do it by my, like, I'll have to truly do this by myself. Um, so I'm just trying to arm myself as well, like as well as I can. And I know also so many musicians ask me about scoring. Um, I know that a lot of the music community is really interested in it. Um, you know, and any for like musicians who are here and like listening, people ask me all the time, like, how do you get into this? It's like a, it's a dream for a lot of folks. It's like, uh -huh. they want to make their own records, but it's, it feels like, it seems like the jackpot, I guess, from the outside is what people tell me. And because it's never been on my radar, I'd never thought about it. It's insane to me that this is, this is sort of my identity, I guess, in a lot of the music communities as a composer for film. And it's truly like, just an insane accident. Um, so you did not set out to become a film composer. Absolutely not. What a joke. <laughs> like, so okay, let's let's talk about that. We're going to talk. We're talking about career, music career, and trajectory. And you you started. It sounds like adulthood with a corporate job. Well, okay. So I um, when I moved to Chicago, I I had just sort of decided to quit dancing. Um, so I was a, in ballet and modern. I was, I was going to move to Seattle. I got into Cornish to pursue dance and I very quickly derailed. So I moved to Chicago, um, to live with my brother who played music with Joe Pug, who is a folk musician. Um, and he needed a backup singer, whatever that means. And so they like had a reason to invite me to Chicago. Uh -huh. uh, and that seemed attractive to me enough. I was like, okay, I can, I'll have a purpose. I'm not just like moving somewhere. And so I just dicked around for, you know, three or four years. I didn't have any friends. My only friends in the beginning was um, a friend who went to the School of the Art Institute, and I fell in with the visual arts crowd. And I was just trying to make ends meet. You know, I was sleeping on couches. I was living out of my car. Um, and, you know, my brother had sort of moved on, and I, I had kind of gone in a different um, social direction. And just I wanted to be on my own and stable. So I fell into a corporate job um, and I stayed there for like two or three years. And I remember I would argue with my boss constantly. And at one point, it's like a big company. He's the, the vice president and I was in a management role um, after like eight months. And he looked at me one day. I was like, you don't seem like a person who wants to, you know, sit at a desk. Like, yeah. what do you, there's something else that you want to be doing. And so I quit. Um I quit and then I did a couple of other, you know, jobs uh, that I, I'm honestly am proud of in retrospect. But, um, you know, I started trimming weed and I went on tour, on trimming tour with a close friend who, uh, it's, it's legal, so I can name her, with Rachel Eve, um, who is an amazing guitar player and folk uh -huh. singer, just fucking idolized and 
you know, my only excuse, I love, I love music, but like I grew up in a music family and the only times I would ever get to play music was by singing. And so I would kind of demand Rachel, like, okay, let's, let's play a song. Uh And I got really sick of it after a while, just being like, why I, I, I felt super dependent on people in like a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I like stayed home with a guitar for about six months. Not, not much different than what I'm doing right now with the piano. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, what was even your question? I'm the queen of ranting. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. I mean, it's kind of about how you, came to have music be you know this this career that you're pursuing and yeah I think you're kind of describing the trajectory yeah I mean that feels about right you know I did the game for a couple of years and I was um pretty meaning fr- what's that meaning what the, with the game yeah um I think it's because I'm so insecure but like I hate self-promotion. I think everyone does, to be fair, uh-huh. that some people are just naturally better at it. Or uh-huh. I've always said, like, some people have the stomach for this and I just fucking don't uh-huh. I not have the stomach for self-promotion and for, again, like asking people for things, um, mm-hmm. even if it's like, listen to my music or like come to my show. Yeah. And after a few years, I started really battling like the vanity of the arts of 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 solo work like not what felt non-collaborative at the time because I was just writing my own music that I was like nobody needs my music nobody needs anyone's music you know and then I, and then a second later I'd be like but what if you know Prince or like what if Joni Mitchell had never you know you don't yeah. know how to need it until it's there yeah so at that time this is like 20 God, I just told this story to a friend that I reconnected with the other night. Um, But yeah, 2014, 2015, I was just like, you know, this doesn't feel like my purpose. It doesn't feel good to me. Um, And so I got into policy. (laughs) Uh, Another (laughs) accident. (laughs) So, okay, yeah. So so to be clear, you're talking about kind of pursuing an independent solo artist musician life and then you were kind of bumping up against these feelings and all the things that go with it and i'm still bumping up against i think that the composer the film composition stuff now feels like a nice like way out like i don't i can still make music but i don't have to brand myself in the way that i'm making a record right now and i'm gonna put it out someday Uh Um, but you know, my, my friend who's producing it, um, his name is Ziad Asrar and he's a genius and I love him to death, but you know, folks around me are like, you know, release this the right way. Like let's make it right and send it to the right people and do the right thing so that more people can hear it. Um, and I just like, don't really care. I don't know. I just don't really care. And I think that's sort of carryover from my mid twenties when I sort of was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm, I'm done. And then I went through this whole stretch of, of policy work and of nonprofit work and of, um, you know, different kinds of mutual aid projects and um, uh, local, you know, urban agriculture and these different kinds of things. I've reconnected with like, no, I, I just like writing music. <laughs> um, and I think I've come to terms or made peace with like, I don't need to 
like pursue a solo career in music to feel sad satisfied as like an art maker um actually I maybe prefer it because I because I hate self I don't I I have terrible stage fright like performing Uh solo is like just the worst for me and I'm doing it anyways apparently um uh, but yeah I, I just don't like the vanity at least and I am not suggesting that other people are that our peers um feel that way but I I do feel that way when I am pursuing my solo music it feels vain and self-important and a lot of things that clearly I like need to dig deeper into with my therapist so I mean yeah I well I think it kind of is I mean you know for sure um I kind of I'm trying to figure out how to go into this a little bit more because it sounds like you enjoy making music. There's, if you don't mind exploring this with me for a minute. Yeah, that's why we're here. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. So, okay. So you, in sounds like you really enjoy making music. And then if you have the component where you're doing your own independent music, it feels like, you know, that it feels like a necessary partner that you have to promote it, go on social media, come to my show, listen to my album. Is it that you would like people to hear your music, but you don't want to do the promotion for it? Or is that you just like making the music in the process itself, but it doesn't really matter if it reaches people? Does that feel important to you? You know what? I would say the latter Yes, I, I have I have been in enough situations and received enough feedback from people who have become my, who weren't my friends and have become my friends. I think it began of me being like, "Wow, you are a really affirming person in my life," and like, "Come, come closer." Yeah. Um, but no, I I do want people to hear my music. I think anyone who makes music knows that someone out there wants it. And and I think about that too. It's like I can feedback on myself. And when I say like, well, you know, we don't need music. Like nobody needs anyone's music. It just so happens that the music that we hear is something that then becomes needed. Uh-huh. And then I think about like Adrian Lenker. Uh, I like listen to her nearly every day. GMR, uh-huh. I listen to her like nearly every day. Uh-huh. And if these, you know, who happen to be friends of mine and like, that's a whole nother fucking thing and like a spectacle. I'm just like, oh my God, if these people didn't make music, you know, there would probably be some kind of hole. I just wouldn't really understand what it, what it was. So yeah. in regard, like, yeah, I think that, um, I think that my music is not garbage and I think that a couple of people, enough people have told me that they enjoy it and that it's helpful Mm -hmm. to them. Um, But yes. And then to the former, I cannot stand. If somebody asked me to, to put out my record, if someone asked me to tour with them um, in a way that wouldn't break my life, uh, Uh do it. I just, um, I'm lazy. I don't care. <laughs> you don't sound lazy. I just don't give a shit. I'm like not going to, I'm not going to push it myself. And, you know, I hope Sierra's not watching. And Gia also will give me a really hard time later. But yeah, I don't want to. I just would rather not. But I am putting out a 
next year. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So yeah. You don't sound lazy at all. Um, but I think what I keep zeroing in on is, first of all, that it feels, <laughs> hey, Gia, um, that it feels really uncomfortable to perform solo. So that's a deterrent in itself because that feels like that kind of has to come along with it. But also kind of what you're saying, the the vanity or the ego that isn't involved in here's my stuff, come to my show, here's pictures of myself, here's whatever, that it's it's just a lot of, yeah, totally. But then you, you do it, and it's like, it's so confusing, because sometimes you're like, no, you know, I want to be, I want people to see me, I mean, I did the fucking Fly Honey show for eight years, I like literally took off my, all my clothes, and like shaked, sh- like shook my breasts at thousands of people, and like threw glitter at them, and like twerked, you know, I clearly like, attention um but, but, you're, you, but wait a second you did you did that but it's hard to like play one of your songs on stage well have you been to the fly honey show no I, i've is, heard of it it is the most overwhelming there's like a hundred people in the show every night uh-huh. uh-huh there's like you know a third of who's in the audience is performing so like you're not alone i am the the, the point of the show is it's like it is bodies on bodies on bodies that know the same choreography, yeah. you know, and I'm solo, you know, and I'll be right. on, but there are fucking four people dancing around me while I'm singing this song. They're not just looking at me, you know, yeah. that's, so all that's to say is, um, I, I like performing. I like, you know, being in space, um, uh, to, to, you know, voyeuristic, the right word here is that associated with being creepy. Um, yeah, I just don't, I get into my head when I'm alone and think of what it would take to, to really push it and just sort of always be conscious of like the image, you know, or, and, and by that too, I think I have like so much respect and admiration for, um, really dear friends of mine who like don't give a shit. They're like their social media is just like whatever. You know, I'm sure that they're thinking about it in some way. But I mean, the their social media is like whatever meaning what. It's not curated. Like it is curated in the sense of like one person is controlling it. Yeah. But you know, you look at something, and I feel like there's a fluidity. There are there are people in my life who are just like artists in like the truest form but they really are and whatever byproduct like it it is not just their music that is attractive to me it's also because I love them dearly as friends but also to you know what I would expect their friends is they just be they become you know enraptured by the by this person the person is attached very much to the music they're putting out and so this sort of visual display on you know today like now social media Mm -hmm. uh, is like captivating on its own. And um, I just don't feel that kind of, um, uh, it doesn't feel natural to me, I suppose, to visually be on display in a platform like this, which, you know, I have a friend who, um, I will, he's not on Instagram, his name's Clay. Uh, He was in a very popular band and now he's coming out with his solo music and he's not on Instagram and, Mm reason I love him that's not true I love him for many other reasons but we were just talking about how when his record comes out and he starts touring that he's like gotta get an Instagram (laughs) 
And he like laughed and rolled his eyes, but like he is. And honestly, it's probably going to be a super fun Instagram to follow because he doesn't give a shit. And like, um, I'm, I, I don't give a shit about pursuing the personal, but part of that is because I do give a shit so much about the lens in which I am perceived. I'm getting super personal. Is that okay? (laughs) Yeah. Can you say more about that? Um, am I making sense or am I just like, I'm, I'm listening. I'll, and I'll ask, I want to, I want to know more about what you mean by that, The you're very concerned about the lens with which you're perceived. What do you mean by that? Um, I'm not private with my friends. I'm not private even with like people I don't really know in, mm-hmm. I think that anyone who has met me in person would say that I'm like very inquisitive and very, extroverted um but I'm not I do not get personal in like public forums Uh at all and this so like I've been I've been really excited to talk to you (laughs) because Uh I was like this actually seems like a fun way to be myself in a but like you're invited friends and family and whomever else is watching like I'm gonna Anyone who knows me, this is very normal, but anyone who doesn't know me, like, this is very, a personal moment. Yeah. Um, and I think a part of that is just, if I'm being completely honest, I think I am still in some ways subconsciously or secretly um, trying to have a strategy about putting out my record. Uh-huh. Um, Jessica, <laughs> I love you. Thank you. Um, I I think at the end of the day, I do want to be able to self-promote. I do want to be able to put up my record in a way that it's like, no, I do deserve to be at this table. Uh-huh. I do in the music industry. I do like have just as much a right as anyone else because of the merits of my work to be heard. Uh-huh. And for other people whose job it is to promote music, even though fuck the music industry, like I, I do believe that in moments for myself. And I think a lot of my hesitance or confusion around social media and self-promotion is that I don't know how to promote myself in a way that will be strategic and advantageous for when I put something out that I really am like, this is the record, like this is the one all of my chips, if I, if I arrive there when this is done, which I, I think I'm going to, I really have a feeling about this record that I haven't had about other music that I've rushed to put out mm-hmm. and in the making for a year and a half, you know, we've, I've scrapped half of it and started over. I'm going to start adding like basically score compositions to who fucking knows. Um, but at the end of it all to completely, you know, um, be a hypocrite about what I said earlier. I think I am in some ways trying to be in a position where I can jump in to that person that you have to be when you really put a record out and want it to succeed. Does that make sense? So how are you going to solve that dissonance you feel between this is like a total vanity, self-branding, blah, 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 but... I guess I got to do this if I'm doing a record and actually I kind of want to be seen. I just like, I don't want to be seen. I just want people to like, <laughs> well, maybe that's your thing. You always have a black line yeah. in front of your eyes. I want people to listen to the music 
um, oh, I guess it's important to say that too. It's like, my music is very sad. Like it's a personal music and I'm very self-conscious about it. Like when I play shows, just like, damn, who like want, I have to like warn this audience. Like I'm going <laughs> to out for about 25 minutes, but I'm going to keep it very short. And like, I, if you do not want to be bummed right now, like you should not be, you should, permission to leave. <laughs> um, and I think that's part of it too, is my, who I feel as a person in the world, as I participate with people, with, you know, public spaces, I don't feel that that is what I, I'm an extrovert, you know, I'm, I'm out in the world, but the music is deeply personal. So I think part of my conflict too, is like, what kind of music am I making? And like, who is this person that actually exists in space and, how do those two things go together to make like, you know, to like take a step in, I, I'm overthinking everything, but. Well, no, what if you, I mean, what if, what if that is the art project? What if the branding is an art project? What if the persona is an art project? And so you like. I love this. <laughs> so you gain a little bit of, of distance from, um, I have a hard time promoting my own music too, but I'll promote the hell out of the podcast. I don't know why it's different, but it just feels different. But, um, <laughs> Right. You know, but what if it's, uh, you know, what if it's another thing that you've created, if that makes you feel more comfortable with it? No, I think that that's a good point. And I think also what we talked about earlier, which is like the beauty of collaboration and of sharing space. I think that something has been really lovely um, in the last year is like some people have come forward in ways to support sort of the next step, which is like photographers and people who make videos and mm-hmm. um, other kinds. I did a collaboration with my dear friend, one of my best friends, Aaron Kilmurray, who's a choreographer, and my friend Hannah Welliver, who's a cinematographer. Um, and there are people around who who are volunteer. They, they just like want to, they want to help, you know? Mm-hmm. They want to be included almost. And yeah that makes it feel good and different. Um, and so to your point, I think if I, if I like have more space and time to focus, if that's the other thing though, too, just like the fucking hustle, like I'm so grateful to be doing this event that I'm about to do. I bet someone is watching that's doing that thing being like, Oh God, she hates it. And I don't, I love it. Um, but my job for the next two months is going to be completely available, like 24 seven available at all times for any problem that comes up. Uh Like that's going to be my job. So, um, I think I mentioned this in our exchanges and writing, um, which is like the, the risk that comes with the kind of focus that I think is necessary to really pursue music, the money you spend on tours, the money you spend on your record, Mm -hmm. and I'm paying people to capture it visually to play it with you to buy the instruments that you need to keep playing and experimenting um you know I am terrible at saving money um my family like we are very much supportive of one another and they're unbelievably generous with me um but we don't you know I I don't come from the thing where I have like a safety net (laughs) um so there just feels like like a lot of risk to focus yeah. the time that a person needs to. Right. Other people, I'm sure that there are many other people 
here or otherwise that, um, well, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole because that will not be fun for anyone. <laughs> Just about pri like privilege and what it actually takes to be in a position to take risks to focus on your form. It is a topic that I have, I'm interested in, but have been very uncertain how to tackle, which is an artist who maybe has a comfortable safety net and their relationship with art versus somebody who doesn't have the safety net and the way that their relation with their art and the relation with their own sense of security affects their ability to go after something in maybe a bigger way. I, I'm not quite sure how to talk about that apart from saying that little bit in a way. Um, but I think it's a very real thing um, and uncomfortable to talk about, but it's out well, there. I talk about it all the time in private spaces. Yeah. All I will say is that I'm very resentful and I've been working for a really long time to not be resentful. I know that that is a piece of why I veered away from pursuing my own personal projects um, is because of like aggregate resentment around, I think a, a false, I think that I am, I make it worse than it actually is, which is like a false presumption, um, assumption that anyone who's in a certain position had the means to do, to take the risk. And I know that that is not true. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to name her because it doesn't feel appropriate, but one of my very close friends who has become arguably very successful worked her fucking ass off. And like mm -hmm. I was with her when she was working her ass off, nannying, working at a bookstore, like doing all this shit to be able to do what she's doing now. Mm -hmm. So like my resentment is about me. You know, everybody comes from different circumstances and everybody has a different, you know, manner of means. And maybe who, what I should really be mad at is the fact that I don't know how to save money because like, you know, if I had been doing that when I was working corporate, when I was trimming, like, you know, it, I would probably be in a different position, but right now I'm just like still, um, in a lot of places of the art world and sort of my, my hands are everywhere. So I can't have the kind of focus also that I think is necessary for solo work um, because my creative brain is stretched. Uh, if that makes you sense. Know, I definitely believe, you know, what you're saying that with a certain amount of hustle and um, talent and grit, you can do it. You don't need to have a safety net behind you. But I do think that it's not as guaranteed as if you were to hustle and grit as if you were to go into teaching, you know, which is a really hard job, which takes a lot of hours. <laughs> but I you go into it kind of like, I probably could pay my rent and rely on the fact that I'm going to go pay my rent. But as a musician, that can change year to year. It's, you know, kind of the same thing as month, week to week. week. What? Month to month, week to month. Month to month. So I think it's a little bit, it's a little, it's more risky. I think it's, it's doable, but it definitely is more risky than other types of career pursuits. I think it is very risky. And I think the, a, a thing that separates it to me is you are really risking like, your merit as like an art, like you have to believe that your art, that what you're making is 
um, is worth it, you know, and that does take a level of ego, but I've always, you know, I have conversations all the time of like, what is this line? And, and I think ultimately it's more, it's way more abstract than that. It's not that simple. I think, you know, some of the most, I have friends, we all have friends who are just like, they're insanely talented music. That's all that they were ever meant to do. It's all they've mm-hmm. ever do. They have never considered anything else because they were fucking made to be musicians. Yeah. And I have those friends and I'm just like, that's part of why also I said, I was like, she should be like, let her do that. Like, I don't need to do it. I don't eat, sleep, breathe music. I eat, sleep, breathe things in my life. Um, And yeah, there are huge risks to it. And I also think that kind of purpose um, is something that I'm really envious of just like that sort of laser focused. um, This is what, this is what I want to be doing for sure. It's like, you know, I know I'll do it in, on the side. I know that I'll compose a film that comes my way that pays, you know, enough. Um, but yeah, you know, I am so sorry I have to cut this short, but I have a production call that <laughs> I just got a text message that I have to go over a budget. I, you know, that's, that's the life of a musician. So, okay, <laughs> let's, real quick, quinson.bandcamp.com, you're on Spotify, we're going to look out for some exciting news. We're going to look out down the line for some a new album. And we're going to look out for lots of pictures of yourself and lots of hey guys coming to my shows. And- no, I'm, I'm going to take this moment to say the only way to find out anything is to follow me on Instagram, which is, I think, true for anyone. But um, if anything happens, it's going to be it's going to be there. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really enjoyed this conversation. I, I think we, we should have more. Do you want to have a bitters and soda and talk sometimes? Yeah, let's do it. For okay. sure. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you.
I want to thank Quinn for her time today. I had a great time talking to Quinn. She's so easy to talk to. Thank you guys for listening. Music Therapy is hosted by Jessica Risker, produced by Sullivan Davis of Local Universe, and engineered by Joshua Wentz in Chicago. See you guys next week.